Good Monday. Uh, today's question on the table asks, why God chose the foolish things of the world and not the wise and powerful? Why not use the wealthiest innovators and the smartest geniuses and the most articulate orators and the world's greatest athletes and most recognizable movie stars to spread his gospel around the world? Why does God prefer to choose and use the weak in his mission? The question comes from a podcast listener by the name of Euclid, who lives in the Philippines. Hello, Pastor John. I have given my life to the Great Commission and desire to share the gospel to all nations. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, it says that God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Here's my question. Why didn't God save all the worldly wise to proclaim the gospel to the whole world? Wouldn't that have made a faster and greater impact in world evangelization than simply choosing a bunch of foolish people to do his work? Well, praise God that he chooses to use his foolish people. <laughs> well, Amen. The, the answer, the first answer I'd say is the impact of all those wise people, all those smart people, those intellectual people, those gifted people might have been faster and might have been outwardly greater, but it wouldn't have been Christianity. Yeah. If the Son of God had come into the world as a warrior or a philosopher to impact the world with his power and his intelligence, the impact would have been quicker and more outwardly impressive, but it wouldn't have been Christianity. We can hardly overestimate, and I've been impressed with this so much recently working through 1 Corinthians for a look at the book, we can hardly overestimate the importance of the decision God made in heaven, indeed before the foundation of the world, that he would redeem a people and define a people through the weakest and most despicable death imaginable, the slaughtering by crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It was a scandal, a stumbling block, an absolute foolishness, a shame, an utter indignity, and that is how we are saved. That is how the gospel triumphs. The entire first three chapters of Paul's letter to the Corinthians is written to clarify for the Corinthians and us that Christianity will not be defined by or it will not spread by the excellence of human oratory or the impressiveness of human intellect. Those two focuses, the pride in Corinth, were the great oratory and the great intellect. And evidently, the Corinthian church was quite uh, enamored by these things. They were boasting by saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. And they were finding borrowed boasting, borrowed celebrity, Mm. borrowed praise by lining up behind the teacher that they thought would be superior in oratory or intellect. And Paul devoted three chapters to showing why this is not the meaning of Christianity, nor is it the way forward for Christianity. When Paul heard 
that they were saying, I am of Paul? He cried out, What? Was Paul crucified for you? It was just, it just couldn't believe that they were turning the message of Christ crucified into a matter of boasting in his skills. Then, then three verses later, he says, Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Those were the two issues, human eloquence, human intellect, oratory, erudition, clever with words, sharp with brain power. These were the great focuses of admiration and pride in Corinth. And Paul said, in effect, oratory and intellect might get bigger crowds, might get bigger acclaim, might have a quicker impact on the public, but it wouldn't be Christianity. It would, in fact, be a denial of Christ and an emptying of the cross. Because the cross of Christ means the end of boasting in human achievements. It means the replacing of that kind of boasting with Christ-exalting, childlike trust in a Redeemer because of how desperately needy and sinful we are. The cross of Christ isn't just Christ's death, it's our death. I am crucified with Christ, crucified to the self-salvation and self-exaltation of pride. Then in chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Then in that amazing verse 21, three verses later, he tells us why human wisdom, human intellect, reason, what we are by nature alone, why intellect, reason, nature cannot find ultimate wisdom in God or salvation. Here's what he says. Since in the wisdom of God, that's the key phrase, By and in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the foolishness of what we preach to save those who believe. God's wisdom decided that human wisdom would not be the way of salvation. Rather, faith in divine foolishness would be the way of salvation. Verse 25 The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And the point to emphasize for our friend Euclid in the Philippines is, it never looks like that. It never looks like it. The the foolishness of God is wiser than men, but it doesn't look like it. It looks like foolishness. And the weakness of God is stronger than men, but it doesn't look like it. It looks like weakness. That's Christianity. This is the way the gospel advances in the world. Paul says it again in chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come in with lofty speech or wisdom. There it is again, lofty speech, skillful, impressive Greek eloquence, or wisdom, philosophical impressiveness. Why, Paul? That's what Euclid is asking. Why not use lofty speech and human intellect 
And verse 5 gives the answer. Chapter 2, verse 5. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hmm. Now, Euclid began by quoting 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven and asking, why didn't God save all the worldly wise to proclaim the gospel to the whole world? Wouldn't that have made a faster and greater impact in world evangelization? So let's end where uh, Euclid began, because that paragraph gives two clear answers to the question, why wouldn't God do it that way? Here's what he says. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And here's his first answer. So that no human being might boast Mm. in the presence of God. And then he continues. And because of him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, and here's the second answer, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So why not spread the gospel among the nations faster and with greater impact through wise, powerful, noble-born people? Two answers. One, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. Number two, so that those who boast would boast only in the Lord. God's aim in world evangelization is to put an end to human pride Hmm. and to make Jesus the focus of all human praise. His ways are not our ways. We just need to settle it. His ways are not our ways. Christ crucified defines everything. Amen, Pastor John. The cross of Christ defines everything, all of it, when it comes to the means, the message, and the messengers. God's entire mission is shaped by the foolishness of the cross of Christ. That's why Paul can say we are completing or filling up Christ's afflictions as we reach the world. All those connections really landed on me recently as I wrote a book, a summary of the first decade of this podcast. We'll be talking about that in the coming months. I took our first 10 years of episodes and synthesized them thematically into one big book that will be released in in early 2024. Uh, but this point resonated with me as I wrote that section on this theme. It's, it's not despite our weakness and suffering, but it's through our suffering that we reach the world with the message of the suffering Christ on the cross. Glorious, profound, counterintuitive, and entirely contrary uh, to the claims of prosperity preachers. The implications are far and wide. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you back here on Thursday, where Pastor John applies all of this and shares the gospel with a non-believer. We'll see you then.